Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I am your host, Austin Pryor, and my guest for the week is Sarah Ift Decker. This is minute number 92. Our minute runs from 1 hour 31 minutes and 0 seconds all the way up to 1 hour 31 minutes, 59 seconds and 24 frames. Our minute opens with the conclusion of the bathroom scene where Helen seems to be heeding Blanc's words of caution. Helen, please think of the danger here. You want to step back and let me handle this. Push nothing. They're going to tell you to stop. Even your partner will say, you need to stop. Because as it turns out, nobody wants you to break the system itself. But that is what true disruption is. And that is what unites all of us. We all got to that line and crossed it. Uh, but then decides to just push things anyway and we get another one of these back to the future part two type scenes where we see miles disruption speech again this time focusing on andy's reaction and we see her building up to a speech of her own we then cut to the exterior where we see more of what happens when claire chases helen Andy, wait 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 no you wait that day in court, you couldn't even look me in the eye. What are you doing? Whom she believes to be Andy, outside. <laughs> okay, there you go. A lot yeah. of changes in this one. Yes. So uh, I'm going to add in, as I'm going to start actually with an additional art comment because it's something oh, that we see pretty early into the scene. That there is an additional painting that we see, I believe, only in the mirror. Yes. And uh, this one I was not familiar with and had to look up. But this is uh, Van Gogh's portrait of Madame Trabouc. Ah. And he, um, apparently this is a person that he described her when he was painting her as somebody who seemed very unhappy. Oh, that'd be just what Van Gogh would like. Right. So, <laughs> right uh, up his alley. Yeah. Yes. So, and fun in this movie yeah. where nobody really seems particularly happy. No, no, nobody is where they want to be. I, I yeah. I, I wonder is Miles, I wonder if Miles is happy like before the events, like the earliest events depicted in this movie, a lot of which haven't been depicted yet. Like, I, he, he strikes me as so kind of shallow and so narcissistic yeah. that he could do all these, you know, treacherous things to, to and lie his way to the top and still just kind of feel like he deserves it all mm -hmm. and that it's all cool. And um, I find it very hard to uh, see into the mind of people like that because it's just you know how could they be happy what what does happiness mean yeah. for somebody who's so self-absorbed you know right and i don't know you wonder also i mean these people have career successes of course but do any of these people have anything like a satisfying personal life yeah I mean, Claire kind of seems like she doesn't like her husband very much, or she seems, <laughs> she seems sort of fundamentally disinterested in him. Yeah. Miles seems like he doesn't do anything except for work. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... And, uh, like, weirdly lays around and get cases of Jared Leto's hard kombucha. Yeah, like. yeah. 
he's yeah he's got a life a hard working life of leisure you know he's constantly at work constantly available for you know faxes and and uh queries and constantly like um making big decisions that change the world but also just like has this kind of beach bum vibe about him you know he's a few shades more uh, you know respectable than daryl but that's about it you know what i mean he's I suppose mm-hmm. maybe he keeps Daryl around to kind of make him look like, you know, like a suit by comparison, you know? Right. And also, I mean, that they they pretty quickly, you know, at first we're kind of, we kind of assume, right, that these people have some sort of kind of deep friendship and are really happy to see each other. Yeah. But that seems like it kind of falls apart relatively quickly. I mean, so this is something that's happened in earlier minutes, but that we, you know, we have this kind of moment where everybody's like, this is stupid. We've solved this murder mystery. I'm just going to go home. Yeah. Miles has to basically beg them all to stay. I mean, these don't seem in that scene like people who genuinely like each other very much. No. And then even in the flashbacks to the good old days of the bar, the, the, the original Glass Onion, um, you it does look like they're having fun. It looks like they're they're mm-hmm. bonding as a group. But you kind of think if they are in any way the same people, how could they have much depth to their relationships? You know what I mean? Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. You know, and it, and it, yeah, certainly Birdie couldn't be like anybody's close, deep, reliable friend. You know what I mean? It's like right. they have to be a birdie hanger on you know what I mean and and yeah Miles I think would be the same and then and it makes us think what Andy would have seen in Miles but of course we don't mm-hmm. we don't meet Andy in this movie hard you know hardly right. like and, and it's kind of hard to to forget that she's um apart from a couple of little moments she's really only there represented by her sister's impression of her And one thing I think that it is actually worth thinking about related to the conversation we had yesterday about the previous minute is I think there's a question, is Andy actually also a terrible person? Yeah, because, you know, if she's if her idea of Alpha, you know, is this big, you know, multi-billion dollar thing, we know she has more of a conscience than Miles. We know she has she's, you know, she tried to hold back, but she's still like she's still basically like trying to create like Amazon you know what I mean and it's like we yeah. that's something the world super does not need <laughs> and it's like yeah it's like uh, it, it is just somebody who is looking at the the Silicon Valley landscape and seeing the uh, you know a spot they can get into and if we can move on this and get in early and play the horrible Silicon Valley game with the the crazy you know right. venture capitalist this is kind of horribly unsustainable model of of capital um and uh this uh, and, and you know all the stuff that's coming out about Silicon Valley now where the the pretense or the the kind of shield that could have been used up to a few years ago would have worked on a lot of people of there's a mm-hmm. few bad eggs in Silicon Valley, but look at all the wondrous things it's yeah. produced. Like that's all come crumbling down. It's like, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's come out that, you know, that Silicon Valley's problems are way more fundamental are way more tied yeah. to, to capital and the way that it um, d- can distort markets and, and, um, and, you know, 
foist things on the public that we never really asked for you know and um and i yeah. think and i think there's a question is andy more ethical than miles or is she a smarter businesswoman yeah right she, i mean is blowing she up the world we're is, not doing this yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to what extent is she saying we're not doing this because uh, she, you know, is worried about hurting people? And to what extent is she saying we're not doing this because if you become the company that gets known for killing a lot of people that's with this fuel, bad then for business. Yeah, that's bad for business. Yeah, yeah, and um, but then we can only kind of then we get into like a nature nurture thing because right. our view of um, Andy is is Helen, and if mm-hmm. those two people are genetically identical and had the same upbringing, until Andy just had this, you know, um, well, it, it is said in the movie that Andy had this kind of drive in her from the beginning and was mm-hmm. not content to be there. So there is some kind of innate difference between the two, which, you know, again, I think is maybe part of the fiction of it because seemingly in real life identical twins have like really similar personalities and um mm-hmm. and even some you know uh, cases where identical twins have been split at birth have like incredibly similar lives um when they are later found and stuff like that you know um obviously exception knows, to I, every rule epigenetics yeah. you know nothing is yeah. you know, but it does it does bring up this kind of uh relationship of of uh yeah who Andy is and Andy is kind of like this huge presence in this film but never but almost never seen yeah and you know who who knows I do I do actually know know some twins who strike me as being pretty different people so you know maybe if there is right this kind of drive or ambition that Andy has that Helen doesn't have to the same degree combined with you know money yeah. changing people motive and opportunity are I mean, powerful powerful things yeah yeah, um, yeah no yeah. absolutely and I, I wouldn't want to be um, you know coming down hard on any kind of uh, side of offense about something that's way too complicated and has way too many um, factors and moving parts in it for there to be any hard and fast rule you know um, mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah that's like something one of those billionaires would do. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so what else are we seeing in this minute? minute? We've, seen the, um, we've seen the artwork and um, my keyboard is way too noisy. Uh, I need to get... <laughs> um, we've seen the artwork and then we get to see uh, the, the, this, another take on the scene with this this disruption speech and um we just hear a lot of the same words but of course now um and this had to be pointed out to me in uh, ryan johnson's director's commentary that of course the double meaning here is that when miles is saying you know even your partner will tell you to stand back and and not not take this extra step or whatever the words are that now that has a new meaning because um blanc has just said to helen stop i think you need to take a lie down don't push it and she goes and pushes it anyway and uh that's a lovely kind of parallel but obviously 
there, there, there's a, an equivalence, but we're not saying they're the same because um, we have much more belief in both the methods and the goals of um, of uh, Helen here. You know, um, yeah. who is uh, who is a real a real goodie. Is she a bit too much of a goodie in this movie right. without being able to discuss uh, future minutes uh, too much? Um, and is she in a way too much of a retread of Ana de Armas' character in the first film? What do you think? I don't think she's a retread of Ana de Armas in, in part, I think, because I think she's an interesting counterpoint to her because all she does for the vast majority of this movie essentially is lie. No, yeah, right? that's I mean. very interesting. <laughs> yeah, 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 and of course she's not a retread in like in in you know in in the the way the character is, but just in the kind of I guess identity politics and positioning in the power structure. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like yeah, it, it, Ryan Johnson's kind of doing those things again in this movie, and I wonder, I wonder, is that part of what he considers the structure of a Benoit Blanc mystery to be? Is it always going to have this kind of class struggle and this outsider who's very virtuous and probably female and probably from, uh, you know, from a, a, you know, a female of color. And, you know, that like there's kind of a lot of those in in, framed in kind of identity politics, framed in those exterior ways. They're, They're really similar in their roles, you know? I think there are elements of that. And I I think it is also interesting in the context, as we were saying before, right? It's that we have this context in which most of the people that we have are, are terrible people. And these are both movies about the exploitative and cruelty behavior and kind of casual cruelty yeah. of the very wealthy, right? It's yeah. just kind of different different settings, right? That before we had the kind of New England presented as sort of old money, though it's yes, not clear it's if not they're really actually old money, old money. because it's publishing, um, yeah. Right, it's, I assume, publishing, and I guess we don't actually know yeah. if, I'm not sure if we know how much he really had before that or not, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, that it's, you know, but that it's presented as old money. Yes. It has these kind of trappings of old money. It is at least that by the time we get to, say, Ransom's generation, he certainly can say he has, you know, generational wealth. Definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, this is, you know, this is, you know, Silicon Valley new money, um, and we have somebody who's who's outside that structure. But actually, I think it's interesting because uh, uh, while she does, you know, come from a minoritized community, she had the exact same opportunities, presumably, as her sister, but made different choices. Yes. And as far as we know, she's, a, you know, she's a teacher, right? Yeah. I mean, she's presumably not... As somebody who uh, who is also an educator, <laughs> uh, I will assume she's probably not wealthy. No. Um, but you know she's educated. Yeah, teaching is teaching is socially right? useful. Mean, we can't possibly pay it a lot of money. Oh no! <laughs> so you know she she made very different life choices, but I think we we can probably assume that she you know potentially you know had some you know real educational opportunities. Yeah, and I do, but I do get the impression that you know Helen is presented as somebody who's kind of who's happy with her own life choices as well yeah. she's not watching her yeah. oh, sister yeah. in this kind of embittered like why her not me kind of a situation she's just oh, like yeah. I, I, I there's some kind of line of like I just had fun watching her I was just like you know l- yeah. letting her go um, 
But uh, and I think that also does make it make her very very different as a character, right? I mean, not that Ana de Armas's character is saying, you know, oh, I I want what these people have, yeah. and so, exactly or anything like yeah. that. But that I think there is a sense, right, that it's very clear that they have had opportunities and have a form of power that fundamentally wasn't accessible to her. Yes. Whereas I think there is a sense that ultimately the reason Helen has a different life from Andy's is based on her choices. And as you said, I think that she's perfectly happy with those choices. Mm, mm, Yeah. Uh, So, Sarah, do you have any other points about uh, the, the minute here? I have two fashion slash clothing related oh, comments. Oh, right, actually. Right. The costume department. Yes. That's... One is not particularly substantive and is just that Helen's dress, which is presumably Andy's dress, I think is fabulous and I really want one. Yes. It's it's great. No, and I love the, um, the I'm not crazy about the, the shiny metal buttons at the collar. Yeah. But the belt is amazing. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very, very chic. Yeah, and the color blocking at the bottom. I agree with you on the buttons. Yeah. I think it would be better without the buttons. But yeah. otherwise, I think it's fantastic. My slightly more substantive comment <laughs> is that I noticed when watching these minutes in more detail, and I hadn't noticed this on previous watches, I was looking at Claire's robe. And on Claire's robe is a Greek letter. <sighs> yeah. And it is a Greek letter Omega. Yes. It is not the Greek letter Alpha. And oh, correct me if they explain yeah. this at any point. But my new headcanon yes. is that Miles screwed up the logo for his own company <laughs> and then played it off as like an ironic joke. Yeah. But that literally he just actually like screwed up and has the wrong Greek letter as the logo for his company. That's great. That's great. I think I think I hate to burst that bubble, but I think we do see the Alpha logo quite a few times and it's more of a stylized A which does have ah, okay. which I think bears some resemblance to the um, let me just uh, yeah of course the sty- yeah the alpha is what we'd call a stylized A well I still think it is plausible that even if it is not the actual logo logo to his company yeah. I do think it is plausible that he screwed up and bought these monogrammed robes yeah. with the wrong Greek letter on them yeah yeah it's yes that's that's quite possible but I I kind of thought where you were going with it is that it was it, Claire brought it herself and that it was her subtle dig of like uh, oh. you're, you you might be the alpha, but I'm the omega. Like I'm I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna be still standing. You know what I mean? Uh, like that I'll be the final mm-hmm. one. Um, and uh, that's also so that's possible. But something about the room. I mean, I don't know Claire's fashion in general. Yeah. right? Claire is very clearly not a style no, icon. No. Um, but something about the robe really, to me, just felt like the kind of robe that, like, you don't even buy yourself. It's a kind of robe that comes with the hotel. Yes, yeah. And Miles seems like the type of person yeah, yeah. who would have, like, robes. But that's what made me think it's, like, a Claire thing that mm. she just grabbed it from a hotel as well. <laughs> Although it does match her kind of visor cap thing. Yeah. Her soccer mom visor. It is all kind of beige. Yeah, well, I guess it's easy to match if you keep everything beige. Yeah, which is great. Um, but I wonder, is there like a, a, a chain of hotels that has that logo now? Because do you know what? it? It's actually, it might not even, I thought it was an Omega as well. And maybe it is, but the, the lines connect at the bottom. It might be a stylized Q. It might be like quality hotels. I don't know. <laughs> um, so 
yeah, so there's lots of fun to speculate. And actually, yeah. Claire's um, Claire's look in this as well is uh, interesting because we've we've kind of already in my previous set of minutes with with um, Leandra Lynn, we were talking about how. Um, Catherine Hahn has, you know, uh, been just, you know, very, I don't know, uh, sporting in her choices and in her uh-huh. going with the, like, oh, yeah. absolutely de-glamorizing herself for the sake of the character while everyone else kind of mm-hmm. gets to look fabulous and, and uh, you know, Greek Island kind of vibe. And she's just in, like, some of the, some of the, and she's got sunburn for so much of it. Um, but now that her sunburn seems to have settled, she's, or sorry, but, but this is before she gets sunburn, excuse me. Um, she now has these uh, like panda eyes. She's got the marks from her mascara yeah. um, above and below, which is just like everything in this movie. It's just like there's yeah. th- she never gets her moment to shine. I suppose the very first thing no. we see of her is that she's camera ready um, mm-hmm. and, and being interviewed. Um, so, but everything beyond that, when when we're in the glamorous location, she gets she has to have her glamour all taken away. And Catherine Hahn is very, uh, you know, really obviously threw herself into that, which is great. Yeah, and looking at her in this, I I saw it as you know not only does she have the kind of mascara that's um um that's kind of you know gotten screwed up, yeah. but also I think she just has like dark circles under her eyes, which makes sense. I'm sure she's exhausted. Absolutely, she would be. Yeah, yeah. This is probably what she sees as like oh my one little vacation, you know, from all this madness and the politics and the 24 hour news cycle that she has to keep up with and and um her her uninspiring husband <laughs> and uh and now she's out here uh in you know what she thought would be like okay I'll play along with this you know stupid murder mystery weekend but then at least I can just chill and there'll just be beach and there'll just be you know yeah. um and I don't you know, I can tolerate his company if it means that I get uh, I get some downtime, you know. But uh, alas, it was not to be because we were having ourselves a Miles Braun mystery. Uh, Miles <laughs> Braun. No, yeah, well, we, he he wanted to have a Miles Braun mystery because, but he ended up having a, uh, a Benoit Blanc one. Um, cool, so... Uh, so with those sartorial notes, I think we're we're kind of covered for today. Um, so uh, do you want to let us know, Sarah, where you can be found on social media? Yes, so you can find me on X or whatever it's called these days and Instagram <laughs> at Sarah If Decker. Cool. Uh, you can also find uh, the handle for my podcast at Media Evil Pod. Cool. And IFT is I-F-F-T, very unusual, very distinctive. Yes. So that should be, gets good for SEO. Yes. Good stuff. So whenever you search, it is pretty much just me. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. So listeners can come and connect with the show on the social media platform that dare not speak its name at Glass Onion Min, all one word. And if you can rate, review, and make sure you're subscribed on the podcatcher of your choice, that would be cool. Uh, and so we will see you tomorrow again on another Glass Onion Minute. <laughs> <laughs>